it's just the way it is. Mark Lang. Hello, brother. Hello, mate. How's it going? Looking beautiful as ever, mate. I wouldn't go that far, mate, but thank you very much. How the hell are you? Great, mate. Great. Cool. Um, I would normally have said I'm happy that the world's getting a bit back to normal, but I think I've started to jinx us all by saying that every time I speak to somebody. What do you think is going to happen, man? We, we're having a lockdown. Don't know, mate. To be honest, uh, I don't think I'm adequately educated enough to make that prediction. Um, I don't. It's one of those things, isn't it, where the genie's out the bottle. I don't know if they'd ever get it back in. No. If you were a betting man, where would your money be? Probably. I'm becoming cynical in my own age, so I'm going to go for yeah. I think that they will because I think that there's a lot. Like obviously, this is well out of my realm of um, expertise, but I think there's a lot of people who make too much money off it not to do lockdowns. <laughs> potentially, potentially. I, 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 if I was betting man, I'd go January to March lockdown. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. I hope it's not a Christmas, dude. Last year was a big hit for everyone, wasn't it? So I, I yeah. hope, hope we get a Christmas at least. Uh, yeah, I think we will. I just purely because I don't. I think there's that many people that I don't think they'd be able to get everything up and a furlough back in place and do it all. They just wouldn't put too many people out of business. Right. Yeah, and how compliant do you think people? I mean, we'll talk about compliance a lot today. Just, yeah, I think people would proper kick up. Well, it's happened in what Austria. Uh, yeah, I think Germany even's kicked off. So I reckon we'd have a little bit more of a rebellion this time if they said Christmas is done. Yeah, I think, and I've kind of noticed it. Like going, obviously, you know, masks are mandatory now. Like being in shops and stuff today and yesterday, I've kind of seen. Well, it's about a fifty-fifty split here. Before, you'd see the odd person that wasn't wearing a mask, and now it's. I'd probably say it was like half and half. Where in the shops I've been in, the time I've been in. That there's yeah. a majority of them, like I was like, all of you people aren't exempt. Like, I think that you're just not wanting to do it anymore. You've just kind of like, yeah. Well, I was today and uh, yeah, I I forgot my mask. And no one said a thing. Yeah. No, no, none of the shop people said anything to me. I just forgot it. I forgot all about it. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't that apparent because most people weren't wearing them anyway. So you kind of you, you kind of forgot that it was a new enforced rule. Yeah. So crazy. So, dude, you uh, you uh, reposted something on my uh, well on Instagram today, and you said I'm on the Better Man podcast. Uh, I'm not sure I can contribute much to being a better man or something along these lines, uh, but I can certainly contribute towards nutrition. Oh, so, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I hope so, do, but I know you well, so I think you'll be great at that. But do you know what, dude? I, I, as soon as you mentioned that online, I thought, do you know what? The, the two for me, like they go hand in hand. So if I'm working with a guy in any position, whether he wants to get his ass in gear, get fit, get healthy, improve his mental health, improve his energy, like the base foundation that I always start with is something called palate. So, you know, what are you eating, what are you drinking and what are you watching? Yeah. Those kind of things. So like in your experience, you must uh, have seen the effects of like decent, good nutrition on men's mental health and the way that men feel on a day-to-day basis, right? Yeah. So... It's totally a weird one. So, like, obviously, like, a big part of, like, my job and what I do is um, helping people put the right kind of stuff in the mouth that gets them the best performance. So, and that's generally with athletes, generally within, and probably, any, you know, in a massive range, um, but all the way up to, like, the top levels of sport where it really, really does matter. But the other side of it is that's really interesting to me, and I've learned more and more as time's gone on in the business, that 
it's a very strange one. So it's one of the things when it comes to like, you know, discipline and consistency, which, you know, we'll talk a lot about tonight, I imagine. But it's one of the easiest things to control, like theoretically, you know. So if there's something bad for you, you just don't put it in your mouth. Most of the people listening to this podcast and most of the people that I talk to are adults and they kind of know like an apple is better for them than a Mars bar. But so theoretically, you should be able to make a conscious, dis- disciplined decision not to put the Mars bar in your mouth and put the apple in your mouth. But in practice, it's very, very different. So when it comes to that kind of like bit where like, you know, making that disciplined choice, it's a really like interesting kind of area for me, especially when it comes to like general population type people, that it's that mental type of thing that leads to those kind of decisions, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a different game when you're playing with the top-class athletes, right? They've got a goal, often they've got a deadline. Whether they like their nutritional intake may not be that relevant. It's they're going to do it because they want to do well and they want to thrive. Yeah, it's you can't deal with, like, you know, obviously you're talking about the top 1% like who are, you know, they are very, very disciplined people in regards to their goals. So if it is an athletic endeavour, like, they would literally do anything to achieve that so if they don't eat that they don't eat that if you told them to drink piss and howl at the full moon they would probably do that if it thought that they would win gold medals but like there's a lot of athletes that i actually like deal with and dealt with over the years like outside of their sport and their discipline like they don't really con like achieve anything else in life or like you know you'd think that someone who was like unbelievably successful at sport had the rest of the life together where sometimes it's just radical radically not the case because because these things don't correlate to their goals it's seen as unimportant so they don't do it so it's a bit of a funny thing but yeah when it comes to nutrition it's one of the things where small changes like the kind of stuff that people really focus on like the general population like focus on like supplements or this way of eating or that way of eating like it'll really make like a tiny percentage of difference but that's the kind of like that's massive when it comes to the top levels of sport like a one percent difference at the Olympics is the difference between you know first and last. So it's a very interesting thing when it comes to looking at like general population type stuff versus like top athlete stuff. Yeah, and what you've just mentioned there is quite common. You know, this whole like you know it can be disciplined in one area and not the other. Well, if we think mm-hmm. that, I guess we agree that what discipline is a skill and a trait. You can learn it, right? Yeah, and it's very rare that you meet a guy who's got all of his disciplines in order. So good in business, good in fitness good health, good relationships, good balance. It's very rare that you find that. I think it's quite normal. Like successful businessman, most of the time, uh, overstressed, highly stressed, probably overweight, uh, definitely most uh, uh, inactive. So so it's getting that balance, I guess. But I guess the athletes aren't always on the balance scale all the time anyway, right? They might be on the opposite end of the spectrum where yeah, they're everything's like- all in and then their personal life might be suffering for it. Yeah, yeah. Like those people are generally like when you, you hear a lot of people talking about leading a balanced lifestyle and things like that, and probably what, a huge percentage of like top level athletes are massively unbalanced in that sense. And they don't seek balance either. Like there was like, I can't remember who did it, but there was a study that basically asked Olympians, like if they could win a gold medal in their sport, would they shave 10 years off their life? And it was like dramatic, like 98% of them were like, yeah, straight away. Like, I would knock 10 years off my life for a gold medal. Where to most most people, it's kind of like, well, that's insane. Like, I would never do that. But yeah, the you'll generally find that 
out like it's like blasting dust you know what i mean so like in their sport they may be uber successful but in other areas of life it just complete like you know the sacrifice you know relationships for it friendships for it financially for it like the the actually the health a lot of the time yeah. a lot of like athletes at the top level of sport are what most people would consider healthy you know what i mean they're constantly dealing with injuries and niggles and things like that there's also the issue of you know some in some sports like extracurricular supplements which is a common thing like will have a negative impact of health it can be negated obviously but there is like consequences of that as well so health is sometimes like way down on the list of priorities like when winning really is the priority like regardless yeah, yeah i find that fascinating like, i i'm tr- i'm struggling to think of a top world class athlete that probably isn't obsessed which Again, some people will hear that word obsessed and think negative. Some people will hear that word and think, oh, that's cool. But that's an interesting question. 10 years off your life to, I guess, get your gold medal and your live stream. I don't know, man. If you're thinking like, if you get to 80, right, and you've done nothing with your life and you you look back and you're like, you haven't lived the life that you want to live, maybe popping your clogs at like 70 or 60 would be clearly worth it to most if they look back and go, I'm a fucking Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, yeah. But what's really interesting to me as well is like, you know, I'm getting on a little bit now. Um, is I've kind of like the more people that I speak to is how much kind of like what your life goal is and changes how you go on. So what your life goal is an athlete at 20, you know, when you're like in your prime and coming to the Olympics, well, yeah, I want a gold medal. But when, you know, you're on, you know, your deathbed and you've got your family around you, would you trade that gold medal for five year, more years with your grandkids? You know, or would you, you know? I know plenty of people who athletes who've given up time with, you know, loved ones who've been very ill that they've lost in order to chase and achieve their goal. If they fall short, going back, you know what? I'd give it all up in a second for you know five more minutes with my wife or whatever. So, like, I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I'm just saying that kind of like it's a really interesting way to look at it, depending on what you are. Yeah. I think you just need to be honest with yourself if you're every goal in life no matter what it is whether it's a happy marriage a successful career or an athletic one has a price and you just need to be honest with yourself and be prepared to pay the price for it really yeah yeah i think some of the answers are there because like i say if you speak to most people in in the last year or two of their life they will all pretty much say the same thing so it's like we know we're going to get to the end and it will be looking back hoping that we've made the best out of the relationships but whether it's innate and it's just intrinsic we are like chasers like we want to achieve we want to yeah. we want to tick tick things in boxes. We want to yeah, yeah. achieve our goals. We're driven. I don't think you can take that away from us. But on this weird paradox, it's like we know that family and friends and relationships is probably going to be the thing that's most important. But it's like that, like, like I say, it's like that innate drive just to go towards the achievement. And athletes have that in abundance. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's again, it's kind of, I think the thing that people kind of like always. Um, I find it hard to live with is regret. You know what I mean? Like everyone that I speak to, the same as you, the, everyone that you probably speak to who's been successful in life, no matter what in what endeavor it is, probably has had you know large failures along the way, or they may have not achieved what they set out for in particular things. But like they they become okay with it. It's the regret that they're not going to like live with. There's um, a great, like, uh, powerlifter and strongman lives out in Cyprus called Clint Darden. Um, 
who who's a friend who was like re- was really successful. Who I recommend everyone look up, but he's gone through like multiple like life threatening illnesses and chemo and like kept moving forwards and stuff. And he's got a great speech online. Um, it's on YouTube. I can't remember what it's under, but basically he goes on about that. It's um, go all in once in your life, no matter what it is, just go all in on something. You know, like can be anything, but literally give everything to one goal once in your life to then say that you've like given everything. Yeah, but do you not think either way regret's going to be there? You know, when people say you shouldn't regret, I think you will because if you go all in on one thing, that means you sacrifice twenty things. Yeah, I think I think I think it's regrets you can live with. You know what I mean? Like you're always going to like have like you say regret. Anyone who says that I've got no regrets like is either a sociopath or like they're not telling the, the full story. So it's just regrets I think that you can live with that you yes I regret doing that but if I went back I would still do it again does that make sense it does yeah yeah I, I think that's a nice concept I hope it works out like that I mean looking back yeah, now, so. I mean how old are you dude I'm 38 so yeah so yeah I'm 37 because you keep referring yeah. to getting on so <laughs> that's all right then I mean man what you're about you're the kid um yeah, yeah yeah I think you look back even now with a, a shitload of regret right I know what I do in certain aspects yeah, yeah. I don't know if you think the same or whether you're just one yeah. of these forward forward looking people no massively um and I, I think it was weird that i kind of like i never used to till i think i got into my 30s and i kind of like i think i was to be honest i think that i was quite lucky that like i hadn't really kind of there was people like where i'd gone through adversity and i thought oh that's what it is and i've overcome it and then when i kind of realized that there was other parts it, you know, which a lot of people have probably gone through the last couple of years as well. They've kind of gone, ah, right, okay, this is actually what people were talking about. And I regret bits and bobs and things like that. So Yeah. Well, we were, I think we were full of hope when the first lockdown happened because everyone was being nice to each other and looking yeah. at each other. And we were on the same side for about a week. <laughs> yeah, we were all clapping and stuff. And- yeah, and, you know, and, and that was actually quite cool. It was hard to deny that, that that was that wasn't nice. But now, like, it's... Feels like it's complete opposite. You've got like your 50 50, like vaxxers, anti vaxxers, and everyone just seems, whether it's in our country or America, everyone just seems a little bit at war. Like when you think yeah. we would be coming together a little bit more in times like this, like we did in the first lockdown, it's, you know, there's full of hope there for humanity. I think we've just uh, shat on that. Yeah. Like I, w- I wish I knew like the answer for it. I think that it's just born out of frustration more than anything for a lot of people. You know, yeah. I think everybody was prepared to kind of do it and come together for a certain period of time to fix the problem. But when the, you know, we were promised to do this thing that actually didn't fix the problem, not you know, and that could be for various reasons or complex issues that are well beyond my grasp. But I think that's kind of what's grinding people kind of out now. Yeah, I think so. And I think looking at what other people are doing as well. So if I'm really like, if I'm fixated on whether you've got the vaccine or not, and I make that my mission to scream it from the rooftops that everyone should be vaccinated. Like, I take my eyes off my own life and my own things that I should yeah. be working on. Do you know what I mean? And it's just uh, the quickest way to be angry and resentful when you're just waiting for everyone to get vaccinated and getting angry at the people that aren't following through with it. It's just a ridiculous waste of time, I think. Yeah, because it's something you ultimately have no control over. Sure. So yeah. I think it's kind of like every – it'd be a lot better if everybody kind of made educated decisions on themselves – and base that on the level of risk or not risk that they wanted to take, rather than thinking, well, I've done this, so everybody should do this. Yeah, damn right, man. Ab- absolutely. So, you mentioned this late thirties curse, dude. Did you have you experienced any uh, like existential angst 
in your kind of 30s? Late 30s? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> um, I'd like to say that I didn't. Like, uh, it's weird that I kind of like, on one hand, like I quite enjoy getting older. Um, but then on the other side of it, I kind of realized that I think when you get to a certain age that you start to lose some people in your life and, you know, friends and loved ones and family start to deal with hardships that they haven't before and stuff like that. Uh, you have like, I've got two kids now, so that kind of changes your, your views on some stuff dramatically. Um, and you just kind of like look at everything and you've got a bit of got extensions. I don't know what the word is to describe really. I suppose you look at things with a, a bit more of a, a weathered eye, don't you? Yeah, I think so. But what you've mentioned there is good responsibility, isn't it? So I guess when we're talking about purpose of life, like yours, your life is full of purpose, right? Kids and work and yeah. so on, right? Yeah, this is where I think a lot of men want to walk away from responsibilities. Like myself, you know, late 20s, early 30s, you think that you don't want any responsibility. But then when you haven't got it, it's the, that there's your kind of like reasoning behind acting in a certain way. When you've got those responsibilities like you have, Mike, like you're there, yeah. Mike, you ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I think it isn't. I think it's a weird thing. It's kind of like being of our generation that they didn't have it in generations before, where we kind of like, not were slower to grow up, but men seem like, and this sounds really conceited, but like seeing men seem to be more boy like for a longer period of time. You know, like it, you wouldn't get like, when I was going out, you wouldn't get like blokes in the late 30s and 40s going out clubbing for example like it would be young people but now I still know a lot of friends and things like that who want to go out clubbing who don't want you know a kind of like move on with sections of their life and still live life like they were 18. Yeah do you not see that in men's resilience now though as well it's uh, like you say it's almost more like boyish into their late 20s and even sometimes 30s and 40s like some men just don't grow up right it's it's yeah not unknown but I, f- I feel like that that's becoming a little bit more common now in the fact that yeah we um, we are we are certainly maturing or taking responsibility later in life and trying to avoid it more than ever um, for for yeah. many reasons. But it, it does encourage that boyish. But we all know a, a friend of our age maybe who's still a bit like a boy, right? Yeah, I, 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 don't get me wrong. Like I still love to read comic books and watch comic book movies, so I'm like no one to talk about anybody about growing up, but. Yeah, I, um, I mean, like that, dude. I just mean in in behaviors and yeah, you know, like I mean, you know, I don't, it's still good to have that youthfulness about us anyway. It'd be interesting, yeah, yeah. Some of the things, and again, this isn't a judgmental thing because I know up until my early thirties, in, in fact, now still, what there's still things that I will like throw the toys out the pram on stuff and act like a little child. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. the man. All men do it. I'm sure. I'm sure you do as well. There's little tantrums yeah, yeah. thrown in. Um, but yeah, it just seems to be a little bit more more common nowadays than than when I was young when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, and I think, but then I think you start to see like the sway of it, kind of like you know, like yourself and other people like Jocko Willock and stuff like that, who again like popularity in, um, oh, what's something Goggins, Goggins, oh, David Goggins, yeah, yeah, like that kind of you know, like like that's a bit too much. Like I know yeah. a couple of people who met him in real life, and apparently he's a bit of a prick in real life. Um, <laughs> I've never met him, so I can't actually say. Well, it doesn't smile much. Let's put it that way. But um, yeah, like, um, but there's like that hyper kind of like not yourself, but like discipline. You know what I mean? And going the like really aggressively the other way, which I think that you know we see it in like nutrition a lot. There's never kind of you know the truth's always in the grey, but no one ever wants to spend any kind of long periods of time there. They either want like all the way to one end of the spectrum, which is like pushing the fucking button and 
having no kind of structure to like supreme discipline on the other and they can't have a burger and a beer so there never seems to be like you know there seems to be like that thing of like people swaying between the two and no yeah. one kind of sticking around in the middle yeah uh well i certainly have a burger and a beer mate i'm definitely not stopping that but i think sometimes it's easier might to be on that end of yeah. the team. So I think it's easier. So I always refer to like the Pringles, man. I'd rather have none than a handful of Pringles because a handful of Pringles means I'm taking down the whole tub. Yeah. So it's almost an easier option to be uh, ultra-disciplined. Um, my mentor, Jeff, always said to me, you know when you're a master of discipline because you can have like one crisp, put the bag yeah. back and make it to tomorrow. Now, I'm not at that level, but I think that's why you get such extremes as well sometimes. People are either yeah. classic on it or they're off it. And yeah, yeah. That, that, that's kind of visible in people's results, isn't it? You know, they're either in good shape or they've really fell out of shape. Yeah, yeah. Or the and you see it like again in like athletic endeavors and stuff like that, like especially like with fighters and stuff like that during camp or in season for season sports and things like that. People are ultra disciplined and like they stick it out and they're in incredible shape. But then as soon as it's done, they're just like, you know, and it's because of being. I think there's a thing of like you can be uber disciplined for like a period of time. But what's going to happen is when that period's over, you're going to swing all the way back the other way. So yeah. It, yeah. it's like when when people tell me like, oh yeah, I haven't had like a cheat meal or an unhealthy meal like in six months or something. It's in the post for you because at some point you're going to kind of go, I just want some ice cream or I just want a burger. And because you haven't allowed yourself that regularly or in moderation or allowed that in your life, you'll go the other way aggressively at some point whether you do it now or in a month's time or in a year's time it's human nature at some point if you deny yourself everything for too long then it's got to come back for you yeah it's fascinating why people go back i think i think there's a variety of reasons i think people love that goal so you know the classic 12-week plan um which is kind of like i love it and 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 i'm not so sure as well because i think for some people it it really kind of fast tracks them to a way of feeling good. You know, when you play it well in 12 weeks, you can feel good and look good. And you're like, oh, this feels pretty fucking cool. I'm not going back. Or yeah. like you say you can push so damn hard that you're beaten up and you're battered and you're hungry by the end of 12 weeks. And all you want is to return to the comfort that you had kind of when you yeah. first started. Um, what do you think is more damaging? Do you think there's um, it's more damaging psychologically to keep doing these failed attempts and failed cycles of getting in and out of shape? Which I think it kind of pushes towards physical damage. Because I always notice a lot of guys, it, it's the saying they're going to do something and not doing it. So saying they're going to stick to the plan this week, having another epic fail, saying they're going to go to the gym three times and then not doing it again. I always find that's just as damaging as like the physical things that you can see on the outside of someone's body. Yeah. So uh, you've probably seen it in training and stuff like that. There's a lot of training philosophies that are along the lines of don't miss a lift. Or don't miss in the gym and miss a lift in the gym. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. want to fail a rep. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said, especially where like for general population, people who are looking to just like lose weight, look better naked, be healthier, that's like realize that like you can't actually fail if you don't quit. Mm-hmm. So like just because like you want a bowl of pasta a day or you have a burger or a Sunday dinner or some ice cream or date night with your wife and a couple of drinks or whatever it is, like just because you've done that for one day, like you can start again tomorrow. That's not that you failed. You've just had an adjustment in life. And I think it takes a lot for people to kind of realize that they can do this because they've got that. Oh, well, if I have that one burger, then I've got to have 50 burgers and like a pizza and, you know, ice cream and, 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 
and then it takes them days or weeks to get back on track because I think that comes through like periods of very harsh restriction. I think it's like getting into people's mind that you need to be disciplined for portions of the time, but it's allowing yourself to kind of like have the things that you want, but then get back on track. And that's the bit that you don't, you don't want to, teach people that they're failing by falling off stuff because after so many failures no one likes to fail something all the time you're just going to stop doing it like and all of a sudden like you'll never hear from them again or they'll stop posting about the fitness journey or whatever it may be because they've just failed too many times you need to teach people that this is what we do the correct behaviors to do it the habits we're trying to build but you can have deviation away from the plan and that doesn't mean failure yeah, I mean, you've just summed up what the better man's all about, really. It's saying that exact same message. It's saying, like, you can't you, you can't not get in good shape or you can't not improve your health if you just stick with it for a period of time, like, yeah. a, you know, a long period of time. You're going to get somewhere, like you really are. Um, but it, it, but it's interesting. I mean, sometimes I think there's so many different reasons why people fall off the wagon. I think sometimes they're underwhelmed as well as overwhelmed. So I think... Yeah, yeah. You know, Part of my ethos inside the business is to try and make them win at the start of the client. You know, they like you say, they, they don't want to keep failing because they've had enough of that. So you start off really small. So I'm a big fan of like, you know, until you can work out once a week for 10 minutes, like if you can't do that for a couple of weeks, then there's no chance yeah. of you working out three times. I'm, I'm, I'm like that with all habits, whether it's meditation, you know, I'll start with a minute because again, that that is the creation of the habit that I find a lot of guys find difficult. It's not the building of the yeah. habit. Because once you're at the gym, Mike, it's like, well, that's part of the hardest bit, right? Slapping yeah, on yeah. a couple of lifts on, on each week's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, so there's loads of different reasons. What would you say the number one reason that uh, most people aren't compliant to their diet? Then, apart from the fact that it might be too restrictive, like where where, where do you discover if someone's just ill-disciplined and not committed versus poorly poorly strategized strategized yeah. So it's kind of like the multitude depending on what they're looking to do. So for the first, it's kind of find out what success looks like to them, like yeah. when they start. And for a lot of people, they've kind of like been just conditioned into thinking it's this six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks to six pack. Da, da, da. So they expect results far too fast, depending on what shape they're in currently. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's been, for me, it's sometimes being openly honest with people. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, be on the beach in, 12 weeks, three months, I need to be absolutely shredded for it. I was like, well, you're six months to a year away from shredded, like doing things the way we do it or doing it in a sustainable way that's going to get you there. Um, so sometimes it can be that. Sometimes there is like the, the underwhelming no thing that you were talking about. Like yeah. sometimes you can get a lot of buy-in from some clients by getting a lot of results fast mm-hmm. and then kind of slowing things down. So, you know, so there can be that if they want in, like if they need that buy-in straight away from you, go right, okay, now we're we're moving. They can have a buy-in that way. There's the other thing as well that things aren't set up right for them. So like, like depending on what coach they go, you know, we've had this conversation. I think in the past that nutrition is very culty and weird. So it's kind of like they think that this one type of diet is the only way to do something. So keto, fasting, you know, um, paleo, no matter what it is. So they try and shoehorn themselves into that diet. They can be very restrictive and disciplined for a short period of time, you know, three to four weeks maybe, and then they're going to start falling off the wagon, and then the things have failed, and it's not sustainable for them. So it's fine that what's going to be sustainable for them. Now, you, a great thing that you mentioned there, obviously, like building habits, 
and you know making sure that we can like have some things in place before we move on to the next thing which depending on where people are like if they've never ever done any kind of healthy you know their idea of you know getting protein is chicken and chicken nuggets then you know you need to start slow there's a uh, a couple of guys that talk a lot about like what you mentioned there. There's a coach called John Berardi who like, um, oh, what's, I can't remember his company now. Um, he has basically where he staffs people and saying, right, you've got to drink two liters of water a day. Till you can drink two liters of water a day for a month, we don't do anything else. Till you get 30 days in a row, that's it. And then they add one thing every month. So really similar to you. Um, then there's a, a good PT who used to train out Westside called Jordan Syatt. Who's become quite popular on social media recently? Yeah, trainer, um, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, um, but yeah yeah. He, yeah, yeah, that's how we've kind of got it. But he was actually like a, a really elite level powerlifter from Westside before, like he did, even did any of that. So, yeah. like, but he's got like uh, something called, called like the consistency calendar. So basically, he's kind of like depending on what it is. So if we say every day you've got to drink two liters of water and eat one hundred and fifty grams of protein, or you know, you've got to train three times a week and drink two liters of water a day. And then you put like marks on the calendar for everyone that you manage to hit. Like, um, till you hit 30 days in a row with hitting every single week how you're supposed to, we don't do anything else. What we build is consistency, you know, and con- consistency. I know it's really cheesy, but consistency kills. And that's what you need out of clients for it to be a success when it comes to a plan. Like, you need to find a way for them to be consistent for the majority of the time. Okay. Whether that- 80%, 90%, whatever it is, and that's where people fall. Like the the it's it's the building the consistency bit, which sometimes maybe longer than what they want. It's like living in that grey area that gets results yeah. come like compounded interest in finance and stuff like that. It's the same kind of deal. Well, you mentioned the word honesty, and I think that's important when you you know when you're on a call with a client. Like sometimes you can tell that their you know their expectations. are a way off and you've got to pull them back in but yeah it's a difficult one because they're usually at the highest point of motivation when they've signed up right they've just handed over cash they're ready to change you know they're saying this is it and then to underwhelm them with like well all i want you to do for 30 days is drink two liters of water like for me in my experience most people would be like oh is that it and their motivation after those 30 days has probably gone dwindling and they're they're kind of like already however i do agree it's a great system so if i had the perfect client for example that's exactly what i'd do i'd be like look we're just going to beat the goddamn snooze button for the first month yeah so you can get your ass out of bed we're not going any further i love that approach mike but i always yeah. find fees important for a client so that'd be a tipping point where if they haven't seen anything after 30 days they're gone because everything like message wise through marketing is pretty much you know we can do it in this amount of time this amount of time yeah. this amount of time now, look, we want business as well. So we kind of have to keep up with that. You know, I do 90-day plans. They're really popular. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. Still, 90-day block. Yeah. Uh, it has a deadline. It gives people focus and motivation. I think it's really hard like outside of that to say to someone, right, you're going to work with me for a year. First month, all we're going to do is drink water. I think that's a hard sell, even though we both probably agree it's probably the right way to do things. Yeah, yeah. And this you know, there's a lot of kind of like I've talked like I've discussed with a lot of coaches and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that I know will do like really like 
restrictive big calorie deficit diets for like say the first four weeks or two or three weeks because you're going to get like a massive drop in weight and stuff like that and then they start to creep calories back up and start to add things in and start to build habits but after that four weeks at the beginning you get buy-in off the client straight away mm. because you've smashed results out they've lost 12 pounds in four yep. weeks like obviously not all of that's fat but you've got results so you you know you've proved it like I'm obviously in a bit of a funny position because most of the people that, like, you know, we deal with now are athletes. So they are generally coming in a very motivated position and have an end date for their plan. Obviously, there's a lot of people that we work with year round and that's a different thing, but they've generally done one or two competitions or camps and stuff through us and then go, right, okay, now I realize there's a benefit to kind of like working year round. And then that's more about building habits like between your competitions and your fights. We need to start building in like off seasons and working on other stuff, which has never been more apparent with lockdown and things like that. Like the amount of people who were regular competitors when they couldn't train or there was nothing on the horizon, just binned everything off immediately. Like they were just like, well, there's no point. Yeah, and maybe so, they're right. You know, if, if yeah. they're number one, like you say, if their obsession is winning gold versus being healthy, because like you say, they're not necessarily the same goal, are they? Then, but that's proof that when you take that goal away from someone, when some when you don't have your eyes fixated on something, so you know how do we get general pop to think more target and goal based like that? Because you know I like goals; I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, I don't think you have to be running marathons and shit all the time, but it's finding the importance behind why you know why are you actually going to be willing to do this nutritional plan? Like what what's behind it? Um, yeah. Because most people have to wait for something pretty shitty to happen, like their health is threatened. You know, then all of a sudden their values change, their value becomes health. How do you get like a forty-year-old dude who's carrying three stone that hasn't had the full impact of the uh, of the damage he's doing yet? How do you get someone like that who's not an athlete, you know, nine-to-five job? How do you get someone like that motivated to have goals around fitness and health? So. If they're an uber-competitive person, then it's quite easy to start setting goals that they can like, beat or better. Um, and you can kind of challenge them on that, and they'll be like, you know, like let's say we put a step target in for some of you, it's 8,000 steps a day or 10,000 or 5,000, doesn't really matter. And then you can monitor their data through like Whoop or whatever kind of tracker they've got or Apple Watch or whatever it might be, or just the phone. Like you can then challenge them on that data. And if they're competitive, go look like we've got a deal that you're going to do 5,000 steps a day. Like you can get that done anywhere like you know in the house or wherever it is and then if they haven't you can go what the fuck are you doing like you know you're letting yourself down and sometimes people who are super competitive so they, they want to prove you wrong and get it done yeah the other side of it is if people say like 40 plus and things like that a few stone overweight very inactive haven't been for years probably you know don't leave an active lifestyle not having got a good diet like Get a couple of biometrics done that will scare the shit out of them. Just get a get out a buy like a blood pressure monitor from Amazon for a tenner and take the blood pressure. I guarantee it's probably over like one forty over eighty. And it was like, right, okay, you're at serious risk of like, you know, like knocking years off your life, like huge chunks of time. Like, yeah, I still don't think that that gets people off their ass. Unfortunately, like, yeah, it should I know it should, Mike, but I think people know they're not healthy. I think people know. Yeah. And- Still, still not enough. Uh, the first one, what you've just mentioned, is great. That you versus you thing. So when we talk yeah. about competition, I, I I thrive off that as well. So my gym program is 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 modified in a way that each week I do an extra set or an extra rep or lift a bit heavier. And there's some 
you know, internal competition with myself there. But again, I think yep. getting the average guy who's not got that that yep. drive in him to have that you versus you competition because he's first he's got to get started yep. for that. Yeah, the other side of it is kind of something that's been like built in was over a long period of time throughout our entire lives. Me is in accountability. Yeah. So this is where obviously coaching comes in massively. Sure. Like, especially if you were getting them to measure, like, you know, stuff that you can track, say, like a step counter that you can log into that they have to wear and they can't fudge it and tell you, oh, yeah, well, I've definitely ate this or I've definitely drank this or, you know, the day, you can't, the data doesn't lie. Like, it's the accountability that they have to get on a call with you and they have to come through here and they have to say, I haven't done this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then obviously it's kind of like, A, people don't want to do that and they've got accountability to kind of stick onto it. But then you've got, how you coach them and get through that. Now, like some people do that best rewards. Like some people really might, you know, if it's losing weight, buy themselves new clothes or, you know, it might be a holiday that they've got coming up or, you know, or a wedding or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes it's that kind of like external motivation that people need to be reminded of. You know, you've probably seen like a lot of stuff, a lot of people see like sticking stuff on the fridge or the mirror or, you know, something that's really visible to them every single day. Like, you know, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think the accountability brings support as well. Like accountability sounds yeah. quite harsh sometimes, which it can be, it's supposed to be, it works. Um, but I think just knowing someone's on your team. So if you think, I'm guessing athletes kind of hang around with other athletes, right? So yeah, yeah. it's normal to, to be driven and competitive, eat well, train, stretch. Whereas again, general pop, they hang around with general pop. So yeah. you know, nine to five office workers go to work with nine to five office workers. So that, that culture... Yeah. Have you know uh, cookies lying around on the side, cup of tea, dunking biscuits? Yeah, yeah. It becomes very normal, and it becomes even harder then to break out that cycle, doesn't it? If your environment is going against everything that you're trying to become, it is. And generally, in those environments, unfortunately, when people start to take steps to improve something, they're like something they don't like it, or they try and limit them or drag them back. It's just that everybody likes everybody to conform with what they're doing. It's like tribe mentality. You know, going back to vaccinated and masked and all that kind of thing is a big part, you know. So if everybody's getting cake in the office or drinks on Friday and stuff, and like you go to the pub with them and have a Diet Coke or a cup of coffee or something instead of like having a couple of pints or a couple of glasses of wine, all of a sudden like, why are you doing this? You know, come on, it's one slice of cake, it won't hurt and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff like, oh, people are, you know, they don't want to see you do better than them and all this kind of stuff. I don't think that's necessarily true a lot of the time because, you know, they're probably don't really care. It's just that they want everybody to kind of be in the same boat. And yeah. it takes a lot of kind of like strength to be able to turn around and go, well, you know what, I'm acting, I'm all right. Like I generally said to people, like if you confront me, I can say, oh, look, like I'm not really bothered about the cake or the beer. I'm here for your company. Like, so if you're going to be a dickhead about it as well, I can just go. Like <laughs> if yeah, I'm not no, going to have a beer. I was thinking about alcohol when you were bringing this up. Like, it's like, yeah, that's right. Like, you suddenly stop drinking and most people's life will be quite different, right? If yeah, yeah. they don't socialise with other drinkers. So it's an identity change as well, isn't it? It's like, if you if you become the guy who wants to sort his health out and decides you're giving up the booze, you may have just changed your entire life, like your entire social yeah. circle, your relationship with your wife. Like, all of it might have been based around the commonality of, of like, we like a drink. Yeah, like I know people who've like, you know, met their missus and they've been like, you know, going out drinking and clubbing and stuff like that. And a lot of their relationship was formed and that's kind of thing. And when one of them turns around and goes, well, I don't really do that anymore, then it kind of breaks down because it was the main thing they had in common or how they met and what 
you know, a big part of the relationship was based on. The other side of it, though, not a lot of people probably talk about that you probably see a lot more than me, is that especially at like certain levels of business and people doing things like drinking plays a big part of business, going for drinks, Friday night drinks, you know, having like lunches and dinners that are business meetings that involve drinks and stuff like that. Like, um, not quite the same, but like my father-in-law works for Rolls-Royce, like the aerospace people, not the the car people. And when he joined the company, they basically said, oh, do you play golf? And he was like, no, I don't play golf. They went, you do now. Because that much of our business gets done on the golf course, like you have to play golf to be able to uh, like do business. Like that much of meetings and networking and social thing is on the golf course for this company. So, and a lot of in the culture, especially like bankers or in the business or in tech and stuff like that, business is done over drinks. So sometimes there is that kind of side of it as well. Uh, definitely, you're right. I work with a lot of businessmen who have that that same issue. It's like that they wine and dine clients until they get their checkbook out. It's quite normal, yeah, yeah. you know. They take them to uh, Arsenal Football Club in you know in the nice luxurious boxes, and they drink champagne and they have nice yep. food. And yeah, it's part yep. of the deal. And like, imagine turning around and saying, "Actually, I don't want that food, thank you," and I'm not going to drink. It would. It could alter your career. It could, put, yeah. uh, but it could, it could change everything for you. So you can see why people go with the flow. And in fact, just just talking about this out loud now, yeah, it's so much easier not to make those changes and keep everything yeah. the same, even if you are in an unhappy place. Because unhappy and uh, known is sometimes for a lot of people kind of like less scary than unknown. But change is also scary for the people around you, isn't it? So if, if you yeah. change all of a sudden, might your you know it affects the missus, right? It affects the wife. Yeah. So it's so like, like it's big it's lifestyle change, you know. Yeah. yeah. Kind of change is like a two way thing, even if it's not the other person changing. For someone to watch you change, it's going to affect them. So it can, it, it can, like you say, bring out that, what you're doing that for. Oh, just have a beer. It won't hurt. You can yeah, see yeah. why that would drag them back into where they want to be. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough one. It is. This, this is this is the thing, though. For like when we talk about getting in shape, me and you both know a nutrition plan. You know, hitting calories, getting your steps in. It's it's pretty straightforward. Yep. It's the easy bit. Like everyone knows that they should move their body and they should probably start to watch what they eat. We all know that. But like we said yep. from ah, it's like there's so many layers to this, and not many yep. fitness coaches and nutritionists talk about this. Like the relationship that you have with your partner and, and their values based on socializing drink and food is going to have a massive massive role in that so it's like i think this is why like you get your athletes that thrive because they will that they don't give a fuck so they will do whatever it takes yeah so it's kind of like um it's strange that a lot of people kind of like especially like gen pop when they're looking for fitness advice and health advice and stuff like that they're looking at like athletes up here you know what I mean, who are probably young, they probably don't have like external factors on the life or responsibilities, or they've always done it, or they're athletes. They don't have any of these other like external factors that are looking in on themselves. Yeah. Because what generally happens is that when it comes to like sport and athletes and things like that through certain environments, people who can't do it are just weeded out. You know what I mean? Like, the amount of people that I've seen, like from other coaches who like send through plans that are just unbelievably just not sustainable. And when people can't follow it, it's like you're just not disciplined enough, you know. And that's not really true. You're just not being coached. Like it's just you can't fit it to what it is. What happens is all the people who can't do it are just weeded out. So you're just left with the people who, you know, want that kind of thing. 
So it's that gray bit in the middle where nobody's talking about it. You know what I mean? You shouldn't yeah. have to live like an athlete, like if you are not one. No, for sure. Yeah. Again, for yeah. marketing purposes, you can see what I mean. Client, like if we're talking like coach and client relationship here, a coach yeah. is probably it's their job, I would guess, to attract all the ones, all the people that want to do well, right? So yeah, you yeah. Get these very small percentages of people that do well, and they're the pictures that we see online. But you never see the person who hasn't done well. And like you say, I think it's just giving out generic plans, expecting everybody to stick to the same uh, food diet and nutrition plan. That's never going to work, man, especially if you haven't got it backed up with any accountability, any coaching. So, you know, me just giving you a sheet of paper with a diet on that most most of them are shit and really restrictive anyway. Yep. You can just see from day one you're going to fail. And I think yeah, even yeah. the client knows that. They look at it and they go, oh, my God, I'll, I'll give it my best. But they know that this, this isn't going to be for them. Yeah, and a lot of times it's stuff like that people don't talk about. So, like, they may look at the plan and go, yep, yeah, I'm happy to eat. You know, three main meals, two snacks, five meals a day, whatever it is, like, of this food. It's all food I like. I've got no problem eating with it. However, it's massively different to what my wife and my children eat. Yeah. Like, they don't like any of this. Like, say, your wife could be a picky or your children could, or it's just massively different. Like, it's like, oh, well, we all eat together as a family, or now this means that I've got to cook all my stuff, then my wife's stuff, and my kids' stuff all separately. Like, this is just, like... In, like if I've got to do this like three or four or five times a day, like it's insane. I don't have this like, you know, it's just that extra level of friction that's going to cause people to fall off. Sure, man. But when you're motivated, right, at the point yeah. of that phone call when your coach says to you, you know, can you have five? Can you eat five times a day? And you just go, yeah, I'll do whatever yeah. it fucking takes. And like you say, but that's at the point of motivation. I'm really interested when I work with a client. I'm really interested in like, give me your worst day. Give me your most tired self. Give me your most exhausted self and demotivate yourself. If you can't stick to what we're coming up with on those days, let's forget it and let's ask for a little bit less of ourselves. So I'm very into yeah. that approach of like, I don't care how you behave when you're on form. I'm really interested on when that motivation goes out the window, what's your lowest level of training? And I know that if they're okay at that point, then they're going to do very well in the future. I think that's really important. Yeah, me too, because I think that what you're doing there is building how to win in those situations. You're teaching successes at their lowest point rather than when they're at lo their lowest point, teaching failure, because then all that happens is you ingrain behaviours. As they start to move towards that point, they're just going to think they're failing. So they're going to, like, after one or two times when they start to realise that they're getting stressed, oh, God, I've missed a couple of meals today, or I did this, they're just going to go, oh, well, forget it for today because I've already failed. Where yeah. what we need to be doing is building successes from like when they're at the low point. So, you know, when you're at the very lowest, can you just drink like a glass of water a meal? Yeah. yeah I absolutely yeah. can do that. You know what I mean? Even if you down it before you start the meal, I'm not bothered what the meal is. Like yeah. down a glass of water before you start the meal. Yeah, of course, I, I, we can do that. And then you go from next, then you're teaching wins. And then yeah. people realize that when you reinforce those wins through coaching, like, and be, just as enthusiastic about people who like can do that at their lowest points to people who are winning gold medals, then that's when you start getting buy-in from clients and stuff like that. It's telling them that they can't fuck it up. They've just got to like, we celebrate wins. Not there's no failures kind of thing. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Winning's a habit. Like, Losing's yeah. a habit as well. You know, this is why it's really important that you, you're a man of your word. Like that's when we talk about self-respect and so on, like you need to have a little bit of faith in your own word. You don't need, tons of faith in the outcome like that will be what will be like 
it should be 50. You know, if you set a good goal, let's think about this, it probably should be a 50-50 chance of you hitting it. Otherwise, you know, if it's 100% chance that you're going to get yeah. your goal, is it enough to, to stretch you and push you? But on a day-to-day, but what winning is for me is it's, yeah, winning each day. So people yeah. who are, you know, categorised as winners, they, they just form a multitude of good days in a row. So yeah, it's yeah. so boring, Mike, like to tell a client that, well, do you know what? You just need to string that day that you've had together for 90 days in a row and your body is going to be completely different. Um, I think that's the problem, though, isn't it? That it's kind of like existed in that grey area where like con- like consistency, like if you could give any client that you ever had and go, right, okay, I've got this magical pill um, that you can take. It's not going to uh, give you the body you want. It's not going to give you... Success in business, or you're like, but what it is going to give you is brutal, like never faltering consistency. Mm. Like you would never have a client that ever, like there would ever be amazing success stories if you could give a client a pill that would just give them brutal consistency with what they wanted that they never faltered from it. Then everybody would just be unbelievable. Yeah, and I've seen a bit of this, like with the guys that I coach, and again, whether this is just because of the style that I do, or whether it's a you know it's a pattern throughout, but. Uh, with guys who are, you know, who started, who maybe uh, are left with very little faith in their own word, they're terribly out of shape. Like it takes eight to twelve months. Uh, of course, they, you know, they've lost some weight by that point. Maybe a stone, two stone. They're active. They're they're a lot fitter and healthier than they were. But they almost kind of like get to this point where they actually have a little bit of belief in themselves. And then th- when they set goals from that position, their goals are much more adventurous and, and challenging. It's almost like a uh, introductory phase of like, dude, like if you play this game small and win, like you will get to the point where you're stronger and then have the confidence in yourself to to ask yourself to do more. But this time you'll actually fucking believe that you're going to do it instead of this bullshit yeah. thing that you say you're going to do every New Year's Day, every year. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost training that mentality of like, I am a man who says I'm going to do something. Guess what? I fucking do it. What what yeah. you do, I don't think is that important, to be honest. I think, you know, whether it's one glass of water a day for eight months, if you've become consistent in your word, the next thing you ask yourself to do, you'll be like, I've got this, I'm going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's, you know, it's getting out of that habit of telling lies to yourself, you know what I mean, which everybody, you know, does at some point and stuff like that. You know, you stare at yourself in your bathroom mirror and you lie to yourself about what you're going to do. It's like being self-aware, like stop lying to yourself first. We need some fucking motivational music on in the background because I'm getting pumped. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like we've just both said some big motivational speech. Put a bit of music on in the background. We'll edit this and we'll yeah, get yeah. YouTube as a motivational kick up the arse. Yeah, maybe maybe I've missed my call and I should have done motivational speaking instead of nutrition. Yeah, but what, what we're saying makes sense. It's now yeah. getting more people to do it, right? It's getting more because yeah. you both probably love putting our before and after pictures out there for clients because we're proud of it. Like we see what's mm-hmm. happened, it worked hard, and we know the story behind it. So yeah, yeah. I love transformation pictures, but I'd love to get more in depth and say, well, you know, his energy is here now, his mental health is here, he's being nicer to his kids. I'd love to show all that in a picture. Obviously, we can't. But do you think we're contributing towards people having unrealistic expectations, or do you think we're saying, look, this is what you can achieve if you put your mind to it for ninety days? I would probably say I'm probably on the worst end of the spectrum purely because like when people generally start out in sports, they look to athletes who are in the position they want to be. They, they see what they look like, how they perform, what they're talking about, which obviously I share as well when they do well, you know, 
clients name people in sport, etc. It's good for business to share those people that I work with. Um, but these people generally don't have, you know, 40 hour, 60 hour work weeks, you know, five kids, you know, the missus works two jobs, like other kinds of stress in their life there generally it's all they do. Their job is generally, you know, teaching or coaching in the sport that they do and they compete. Like that's generally their life. So sometimes it's having conversation with people at company, like look, like and a lot of people go, Oh, I've seen you work with so and so and so and so and so. That's what I want. Like, right, okay, well, what we need to do is come up with something that allows you to achieve your goals where you are. Like I had somebody that messaged me earlier in the week and they were talking about weight cuts for MMA fights. And they wanted to do massive cuts because, you know, that's what they thought they should do. And I was like, right, okay, so where are you in the sport? Like it was an MMA fighter. And I was like, where are you ranked like in your division nationally, internationally, or just like the organizations you compete in? And he was like, oh, I'm going into my second fight. I'm not really ranked anywhere. I was like, right, then you've got the wrong end of the stick here. Like, you need to focus on other things first and then looking at that. Like, the guys who are doing weight cuts and, again, are looking for small percentage of advantages at the top levels of sport. You'd be better just to go up and weight class and not worry about it until, yeah. like, you've got some fights under your belt. Um, and, unfortunately, that wasn't the answer he wanted to hear. <laughs> but it was the truth of the matter. So... Do you get a lot of general pop contacting you then saying, like, I want this athlete's result? Uh, no, to be honest, not these days. I did it at the beginning part of my career, obviously, because like, um, obviously I originally wanted to be a PT, but I just kind of fell in love with the nutrition side of it more than anything. Like, it's just a bit more like, I'd, it was more nerdy at the time. I don't think that now. Um, you'd be more antisocial as a nutritionist as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like saying that, like my favorite thing to do is like podcasts and like live seminars because obviously I spend like such a big part like I do check-ins and stuff with people and you know all that kind of thing and like it's still behind a laptop like I love doing seminars like it's my favorite thing ever yeah, um, yeah which, absolutely. Uh, which unfortunately has been kind of put on hold for a while yeah um, I, like well. I mean I love doing the podcast I love just speaking to people like yourself yeah, yeah. and it's it's kind of really especially through lockdown it kind of gave me a real good energy just to speak to to, to good yeah. people so I find it fun but yeah in-house events they're hard to beat the energy uh, yeah, yeah. That you can get with people. Uh, yeah, I, I miss that. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that next year's got a little bit more of that, but we'll, we'll mm. see what happens. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really coach many jump up clients these days. I did at the start. I used to do everything from people looking to lose a bit of weight, doing weddings, like um, pre and post like pregnancy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like done like tons of that in the career. These days, though, I'm quite niche, really. And people yeah. just come to me for generally sporting activities, even down to the stage where I don't really get people coming to me for like physique type stuff. Like I want to look great for a photo shoot or like bodybuilding or anything like that, which I did like for like, a, like used to be a big part of what I did, but now it's not so much really anymore. It's just kind of like how things have evolved as time's gone on. Yeah. Is, is part of you swayed towards the athlete end because of the compliance? Because again, it's, it's, let's let's cut to it it's so much nicer for a coach to be teaching compliant clients because you get the result that people want and that's our job 
It is, yeah. So it's kind of one of those where when you start off in your career, same as any like um, strength and conditioning coach or nutritionist, like that's what you look to. You want to be working with clients at the top levels of sport, you know, and that's like what you're aiming for, which is does the more compliance, they generally have a base level of knowledge coming here, sometimes not always like a good one, but like, you know, a base nonetheless. But the other side of it is it's generally like it's not bad for business, but there's not much money in like sport really until you get like crazy like pro levels definitely not in kind of like combat sports that like i work with there's more money in kind of gen pop stuff so probably if i went back in time i would probably like have split the business off at some point and kind of said right well i'm going to have like a gen pop side of it um and like an athlete side of it not too late to do that mate it's not not, i keep looking at it like all the time with more educational type stuff and things like that so there's definitely yeah, well, avenues to go. But... I want to come and help our guys inside the, the group as well so they can hang their food diaries and you can say, yep, change this, eat that. That'd be cool. But I got some of my best results right when I first started, like big yeah. epic weight loss results. But the way I did it, it was just relentless. It was just um, it was just calorie burn, work, work, work. Because as a young like child, I don't know if you were like this in, in your kind of younger days, but I was just so desperate for the people to do well. You kind of almost say to yourself, well, just do whatever it takes. You don't you don't think strategically when you're 21, 22, you just want to get the result for the person. Yeah, you want, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of almost look back and you think, I'm not sure whether I helped those people. Maybe I did. Maybe, you know, I introduced some fire and energy into their life. But in terms of strategy, ultimately, that's what it does come down to, doesn't it? Compliance and strategy. You've got to have those two things nailed if you know 12 months 24 months down the line you you want to continue to see progress yeah like i think one of the things like de- like definitely like i definitely did that like um you know or did stuff that was too harsh for people or like you know tried to make shoehorn them into the way that i wanted to do stuff where i'm a lot more flexible now and you know that kind of stuff i think one of the things that i always kind of judge like my own coaching success on is how long people work with me when they come to me and say like like and that can be consistency day in day out or for every competition or for every fight like I look back and stuff and I like I like some people I was like god I've been working we've been working together for like eight like nearly 10 years you know what I mean like and stuff like that and it's kind of like it's you know it's really nice so having people be able to come back is like quite flattering really yeah, absolutely, man. And I look back and I'd cringe at some of the advice that I was giving out now. If I could oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, though, I think if you don't do that, and I'd probably do it again now, like even a couple of years ago, and I'll probably do it for how I am now, I don't think that you're learning and moving on. Like, I think if you look at all the programs that you wrote a couple of years ago, yeah, I was absolutely on it here. Like, you probably haven't learned anything for those few years. So... And that doesn't mean like your base knowledge of what you do, but it could be how you coach. It could be how you set up programming, how you deal with, you know, clients' expectations at the beginning, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that you definitely need to always look back on what you did with a little bit of cringe. Otherwise, you're not moving forward. Yeah, I think so. And like you say, I don't think you'd have to look that far back, to be honest. You know, probably watch this podcast back in a few months. You're like, oh, did I say that? I could have said this. I could have said that. And yeah, well, you should evolve. Is it? You know, I'm, I'm always trying to learn. Uh, and get better because I definitely don't think I've got this game nailed 100%. Because when you're working with human behaviour, it's it's so complex that literally every client that you take on board, like you really have to you know sit and listen to what they're saying and really dig deep to find out what they value and 
what strategies work for them. I think that's what keeps it interesting for me. You know, the personal success that you have with clients is pretty cool. And, you know, these little challenges and these obstacles that you have to get around, like they become part of the part of the game and actually quite good fun. Yeah, I think that kind of like the any coaching that you're in, the longer that you're going with it, kind of like the nuances have become more psychologically kind of based rather than what field that you're in. Like you can talk to any coach, whether it be like the my coach business or finance or golf or, you know, whatever it is, that you kind of realize that actually it's really similar. It's like coaching's the same. The topic may change, but the nuances of it kind of like are all got kind of similar roots. Like um, there's a quote, like I can't remember who said it. It was like it, it was something along the lines of um, when you know the way brought – when you know something broadly, you see the way in all things or something like that. I'm paraphrasing that. I probably really fucked that. I butchered it. Um, but basically, when you know something deeply, you can kind of see it in everything. So when you talk to people who coach in other areas, like, God, there's so much actual similarities between what we do. They just topic change slightly. So the more yeah. I do it and the more I go on, the more I realize that actually it's, well, it's why I suppose a lot of people talk about like ther- like therapy and coaching being so similar in certain ways, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different for us, isn't it? Because like, we almost have formulas for most clients now. Like we know that if they get X, Y, and Z in place, they're going to do well. I think don't know what you think to life coaching and that that field because it's it's so open and broad, and it's like it's a different skill set. You know, we can give people targets, numbers, data to hit, and and so on. But I think when you go into that element of of uh, yeah mindset coaching, um, yeah self help. Uh, life coach is a, is a bit of a different. Well, it is a different skill as a coach. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a bit of a strange one. I wouldn't say I was ever against it. Um, I think that it's kind of like in same in my field. You know, the barrier to entry is quite low. You know, like you see like twenty year old life coaches, and you think like you haven't had any life yet to coach, like yeah. and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like it depends what their experiences have been in that time and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's a lot of variables. Um, business coaching is a bit of a funny one i've seen very few where i would actually say that they're worth their actual you know salt every successful person that i'd probably want coaching off in business is either too busy running a business or like have exited from a business and not really bothered about coaching other people like that's different from mentoring where they help people that they know i suppose but like actual selling business coaching as a service like I've, it's a bit of a funny one in my personal opinion yeah. I think it's the title as well. Like life coach is such a horrible title. Like I, I, I think because you're right, there's 20 year olds that could help other 20 year olds, isn't there? There's things some 20 year olds know that others don't. So in terms of like, could they coach somebody to a better life? Yeah, yeah they could. I think it's the whole uh, these courses. You know, become a life coach in two days. Yeah, that kind, that of, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, then I'm a qualified life coach. I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah, and something that like someone else once told me a long time ago that experience doesn't equal a great teacher. Mm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, like you may have been through, like you know, like you could have built the biggest business, like you could be Elon Musk. You know what I mean? But you might not be able to coach somebody into getting a business that allows them to leave their job. Like just because you are good at a thing doesn't mean you are a good teacher. Like you know, great teachers are kind of born, not made. So. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Sometimes, like, you know, you get people who are, like, say, like, um, who are great coaches but haven't achieved anything themselves in that space. So, like, Greg Jackson from MMA, who's, co- you know, who's coached, like, guys like, you know, George St. Pierre, Richard Evans, like, you know, the list is massive for him. Um, 
So it's one of those where, and he never really achieved anything as an MFA fighter, but was an, is an unbelievable coach. So there's no yeah. kind of imagine you know, would be a terrible uh, mentor or coach because I think he's so unique and out there. I think the more driven you are, the harder you uh, might find it to uh, coach other normal people because like yeah. you're so out there and so driven. It's a little bit like you with the athlete training now. If you went down to train yeah. someone who just wanted to lose two pounds in the next year, you'd be like, oh, really? Like you might need that now, you know, need that compliant client, that drive. I know I do. I, you know, I work with guys who want to become uh, better in certain areas. So I kind of need that little bit of fire and it starts separating you. And I think even the language and like, if you look at your Instagram, you're instantly attracting athletes who yeah. want to perform well. And I think we all do that. And the higher up and the more experience we get, the better results we get. Therefore, yeah, yeah. you start to separate yourself and the people that might contact you and they become more serious about getting into great shape or, or improving their life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes I think that can be misleading for a lot of people again as well. Like, it's it's much easier to get somebody for, say, an athlete at the top level of sport and, like, tweak what they're doing to get much better performance. If you took, like, you know, if you take a scale from zero to 100, those guys are at 90 anyway. You're making small consistent changes to get them to the hundreds that makes a big difference in their sport but what's really like you want is for most people is from people who took people from like 20 to 80 you know what i mean like that's like a massive step like they're looking at people who are 100 or 90 plus they're never going to be at 100 or 90 plus because their lives aren't the same as what athletes are so yeah. But I don't think like people put that equation, do they? I think no. um, it's a classic case of if we see someone inspirational, which again is a good thing, like we want to be inspired. It's very rare that people will ask, like, well, how did he get there? They'll just be like, I've yeah. got. So t- t- tell yeah. me what he did. Yeah, they, they, they won't want to find out step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They'll just want step 10, the result. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's weird because in certain areas, they look at, unless they can go from, you know, step one to step 10 really quickly, they consider themselves a failure in certain areas. But like, I could like, let's say go, right, I want to learn to play guitar. But like, if I like, in a month wasn't Brian May, I wouldn't consider myself a failure because I am like, haven't become one of the world's greatest guitar. Like, I know he's probably not the world's greatest guitar player, but you know what I'm saying? Like a a world-class guitar player. I would know that I would need to learn chords and go through basics and for me to become like proficient where I can play is going to take years. But some people look at other things and go, well, I need to be able to do this in shorter periods of time. Otherwise, I've failed to do it and can't do it and I've been off. But they don't apply it to others. It's a bit strange. Yeah, but even even that example of the guitar, like even if you hadn't touched a guitar, right, like, and, and you wanted mm. to become like a Brian May standard, and I said to you, look, dude, it's going to be 10 years yeah. you know, to play every day for six hours and you, and you go, yeah, yeah, I get it. I still want in. I still don't think you ever learn what it's like until you... Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think even if you map out the road to someone and say, look, it's going to be tough. You're going to... You can't booze and get this result. You, you know, people yeah, will yeah. not agree. But I think until you get stuck in and actually taste it, it's the way we learn, isn't it? You don't learn really from, from reading. You learn from application, from yeah, doing. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. it's the same for people's goals. This is where... Like, it's a really kind of like uh, confusing message because I, I, I don't think you should set your client up to fail, but at yeah. some point they're going to have to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to know the limits, to know, you know, cause if you're ambitious, you do fail. The more ambitious you are, the more you fail because you stretch, you stretch. Yeah. 
the way I see it, it's like something, you know, in golfing where you start and it, it slowly over time expands. So you start off really small and then you push the limits, push the limits, push the limits. But when you fail after six months, it's not so big a deal than failing after one day. Because when yeah. you fail after one day, what a fucking kick in the ball's eyes for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Most I agree. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they need that, that, that run, but then at some point, and this is the thing at the skill of a coach, is where they need testing, like really testing. Well, go on then, yeah. show me what you can do. And that will either yeah. get the best out of someone or they'll retreat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that goes back to, again, what you're talking about of like building winning is like a habit though and a mindset and a skill. Like yeah. we, we we teach like in early days, we don't teach failure. We teach success, yeah. which might be small successes. And then by the time you got to testing, they've realized that they're, you know, they may fail the test. But because they've built up such a period of successes, that's one in the loss column, but 200 in the win column. So yeah. when they're looking at it and reflecting on it, you know what, like, you, you're not, you, you know, you're well ahead of the curve. So you can take the hits because you're building up that momentum. But I think it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've been in a consistently decent shape for about three years now without doing anything ridiculously good. I haven't worked that hard. I train four times a week. I get my steps in most of the time but it's just become very normal to eat a certain way now that's it so if i'm feeling tired mike i'll still eat the same as if i'm feeling good it's just that much installed in me i think you need to get to that level where the 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 actions and the commitments beat the underlying feelings because if i i didn't train dude every time i didn't feel like it i'd be fat as fuck oh yeah what right you get it right same as the nutrition plan if every time you didn't feel like sticking to it like Every time you felt like eating chocolate, I'd be even fatter. So it's kind of like we need to get to that point where you fall back to your level of training. Like it's just normal, tired or not. Like it's normal to have this healthy-ish breakfast. Yeah, but that, that takes time. So if everyone's doing everything in these six weeks, full-on stints, they're never really marinating anything long enough to have installed the habits and the routines. Yeah, I think again it goes back to kind of. Um that like what where are you on your lowest day so over time like that one glass of water with every meal which is your lowest day where you are like over a year like your lowest day and lowest point might be i'm going to have you know two out of three meals are going to be healthy but after two years it could be my meals are going to be the same and that's your low your low days your base like you built up wins to get there it's like you know like you always say the dominant like on competition day like you perform what your worst day in practice is. Yeah. So what you need to do is elevate like your worst day in practice to what's better than everybody else's, like, you know, their worst days because that's how you win. So it's that kind of like nudging the needle. Yeah. And compliance for me is all about um, removing many, make most of the decisions throughout the day. So I, I don't want, and I don't want any of the clients working with me to have to think every meal, like, what shall I have now? Like, I think yeah. this is where plan's great because if you decide what shall I have now every meal, like, well, it depends how you feel. Like, if you feel like shit, you're probably going to make a choice that doesn't serve you or get you closer to your goals. At the end of the day, you're knackered. So, of course, it's easy at that point if you're just deciding what to eat. Oh, I'll reach out for this. I'll grab a takeaway. This is where I really like a plan. So, although it means you might have the chance to fall off it, I still think it gives you the chance to stay on it as well. So although yeah. I don't like that I'm on it, off it kind of phrase, I still think it's good no, to no. have a basic plan. Yeah. 
it's like I've kind of told clients that like stuff in the house, like a lot of part, like say somebody's got a free meal a week or they have a high calorie allowance on certain meals or whatever it is. So they're like, oh, I'll just buy this treat to have later in the week. Don't do that because you're going to eat it. Like it's, you know, don't have it in the house. Don't have it as the temptation for it. Like another thing as well is a lot that catches a lot of people out who've got kids is eating food that the kids don't finish. Yeah. A couple of chicken nuggets here, some fries, like whatever it is, because it's been ingrained in them not to bin food. You need to teach them, just bin it. Like if you're starting a diet tomorrow and we're starting a plan, oh, well, I've got two packs of Mars bars and like three tubs of Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. I better eat them before we start. Just bin a lot, like bin it. You've already paid for it. Like, you know, it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of binning Ben and Jerry's. Don't get me wrong, mate. Like, it's I just say, dude, if my kid left two chicken nuggets on a plate, if I had kids, I'm a disciplined guy. I'm still eating the fucking chicken nuggets. There's two- <laughs> yeah. Mate, like, there's, there's no way I can resist two chicken nuggets just left there on the plate. But it's funny you say that. A lot of the guys, especially who, I, um, who I've coached that have been severely overweight, have just said, yeah, they just, like you say, instead of putting in the bin, they'll just finish a little bit, but a little bit every day. By the end That's of the week, really it's, you know, it's another few meals on top of your your week. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. What, what would yeah, you say yeah. then? Let's say, you know, middle-aged guy listening to this and he's – kind of like not full of motivation because there's no reason to be, there's no goal or whatever, um, out of shape, in bad habits, tired. Like where should he possibly look at starting? Uh, and more importantly, like why? Like why is it important in in, in the middle years of your life, at any, any stage of your life to be eating well and be healthy and be fit? So for a start, there are probably not all the reasons that they should be doing it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're overweight, especially as you get to that age, like there's there's loads of like silent killers you will never know about till it comes for you. So like we talked about right at the beginning of the podcast, like blood pressure. Like you don't know what your blood pressure is now. I don't know what my blood pressure is now. Most people never ever have a clue. They don't even know what it means, even when they go to the doctors and they get it measured. But the more overweight you get, the more your blood pressure is going to increase. And that's something that's going to get you. You know, it's like other stuff, especially if they've got kids, like what will kind of get a lot of guys is like when the kids become toddlers and they can't play with them, can't chase after them, can't pick them up above the heads, can't throw them. Like sometimes it's a case of like, it's not even a health. Like, do you want to be the dad that's like has to sit at the side of the player park while all the other dads run around and play football and play with the kids? Like you're going to go to sports days, you know, do you want to have to not participate with your kids? Because you're so overweight, like, and your kid's got to be the kid whose dad doesn't participate. Because you know, like, how much your kid going to feel like when that happens? Like, there's the other side of people as well who are like, look, mate, like, you want to get in shape because you want to dominate sports day. Like, you know, you want to win sports day for your kid. You want to destroy all of the dads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think like, if you have both, dude, then you've got a real. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you can get like the the, the pain that you've just mentioned of like like. You might not be able to play with your kid, man. But and and that whole like, I'm going to dominate the other motherfucking dads. Like, if yeah, you yeah. get like the pleasure and the pain, like simultaneously yeah, yeah. working, then boom, you you you've got momentum. Yeah, there's like the same, isn't it? Like, it's it's not enough that you know what you're running away from. You need to know what you're running towards. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing there that you're doing there. The other side of it is like I've had conversation with people where it's kind of like. You know, they've got kids, they're watching their dads play with the kids. Like, generally, the generation above us was still quite active. You know, they would still physically do things around the house. Like, 
you know, and all that kind of stuff. So they generally play with their kids and stuff. Um, it's like, you won't be able to do that for your kids. You probably won't even see your grandkids if you don't sort it out. Like, this isn't like you're trying to scare somebody. It's just the harsh realities of it. Like, and you you can guess your life expectancy how much, like, you're knocking off. Like, I know it's quite morbid and sad, but, like, um, say, like, one of the things that like really shocked me was like uh, when my dad passed away, he like was slightly overweight. I would never say he was like obese or overweight. So like he went to the gym, he walked, he was dead active. But they literally took twelve years off his life expectancy. Like when like they did like his coroner report and stuff like that for how overweight he was. Like he was smoking. They took another twenty off that. So if you think life expectancy for males like eighty three, I think in the UK, like when I look at it, like my dad was like sixty five, like. He was probably lucky to be there based on their calculations. You know what I mean? Like, it's so like, this young. is, yeah, you know, like, oh, this, it's so this, young now. Yeah, yeah, like, that's real. Like, you yeah. know, and like, in, like, there's like all kinds of things like this. This is like, not trying to scare somebody or be like overly thing. It's just facts that you're going to have to do it. But a lot of it is like kind of like shame led. Like, when you go on holiday with your kid, like, do you not want to be the person who takes their shirt off in the pool? or can run around and play with the kid in the swimming pool or stuff like that or do physical activities or whatever it is or for even for some people it's like look like when you go to like you know towers and stuff you can't fit in the rides like you know there's like a limit in that kind of stuff you know yeah i did the um the zip wire zip world in wales um a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago and there was a guy who, who turned up to do it with his family and uh, yeah he weighed too much and yeah yeah Part of me was like heartbroken for the guy, like because it was yeah. quite sad. He's with his family, and then part of you thinks, but like you can do something about this, man. It's like, yeah. but you touched on the word shame. There, shame's a big driver, man. I know shame is the main reason I changed, got my ass in, in gear when I was twenty eight, twenty nine. Shame, shame yeah. of the way I was behaving. And I think, I think people do get to that stage where they're ashamed of the way they're like, literally ashamed of the way they look. Yeah, yeah. Like, disgusted. You know, when some people can't look in the mirror. Some people, as soon as the camera comes out, they're, they're gone. They, they, they yeah. don't want to see what they've become. And it's a tricky fine line, this, because you almost have to go there and touch on it with them and go, look, look, look what's happened. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. feel the pain. Like, you need to feel the pain, otherwise you're never going to move. And it's hard to yeah. take a person there without destroying them, but you, you kind of have to go in yeah, the exactly. if you don't want to look if you want to find what you want to want to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, and that exists at all levels, you know. Like, it's kind of like, um, I still work with athletes now, or like people who are like the top of the sports. They might not be full-time athletes, but, you know, they might be very competitive in their space or whatever. I'm like, man, I'm so out of shape. Like, you know, like, I'm really embarrassed about how I look. Like, I used to be so much better. And these guys are, like, in shape, you know what I mean? Like, if you take, like, the general population, I was like, look, mate, go to a centre park somewhere, go to a public pool, and just look around. Like I guarantee you, are the most jacked person there. But oh, for sure, dude. I, I think you're right. I think, um, like, even you know, when I take my shirt off, I'm still like sucking my abs in and, and tensing up because it's just so unrelaxed. Because of like, yeah, you just. But I bet talking about shame, like you could probably be an Olympic silver medalist and still feel shame because you haven't got gold. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, everyone, yeah. you're a hero, a super athlete, and you haven't won gold, so you're a failure. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's. I think you're right. I never really thought about it like that. It's shame, shame. Driven. Everybody's kind of got it. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. sometimes it's like a case of like, you know, 
whose opinion do you value? And that's like a whole different conversation and stuff like that. It's like when people get so like shame is like a good thing and a good motive, but sometimes it's kind of like if it's preventing you from doing stuff like why do you really give a shit about other people's opinion and you know yeah. and that kind of stuff like um but yeah when it comes back to like motivators and stuff like that it's all kind of different tips that they can do it's small habits built over consistency i like to, like to start with like steps i think it's really good because it's dead easy for the people to do like it's dead easy to track over time like I, like i'll laugh like i'll look at my steps and I, i'll probably do like not a huge amount probably like 12 13,000 steps a day on average like apart from like weekends where like I'm playing with my kids more and it jumps up like 25,000 steps a day because I'm just sprinting around after two toddlers all day. But it's kind of like, that's really the easy thing uh, to measure. Like water, like start with air, like hydration is a massive thing. You won't feel as hungry, you know, you'll look better, you'll feel better, you'll sleep better. Everything that we do is kind of done in water. Have a two litre thing of water, you know, when it's gone, like it's gone, you know, you've done your job for the day. Doesn't matter if you down it in a one or ideally spread it through the day. And then just build on like habits. I'm going to have a vegetable with every meal, a different veggie with every meal. You know, even if you're still having fish fingers and chips, just have some peas with it as well. Like start there, build on it from there. Cool. So you've got your water bottle next to you, right? Yeah. Let's have a look. It is. Um, because yes. I melted, it's yeah. like a very fancy um Vimto two litre Vimto bottle that is now empty and being reused. So I always again encourage that. So it's in front of you, it's visible, yep. and you can see yep. through. So you can see that you've got two liters of water and you can see where it's at. So when yep. we talk about strategy and that, these little things um, can really help people, can't they? It's like, you know, have the bottle at your desk, make sure it's see through, uh, set an alarm on your phone, put a little post it note out, almost like you coach yourself because. When we're trying to create a new habit, obviously a habit is something we do without thinking. So we need to get you to that level. You're not yeah, going to yeah. get there just by saying I need to drink water, right? So no, no. yeah, these little strategies, if you know, if people are listening, these little things, these little nudges, little alarms, little post-it notes, half of the battle is remembering to do the new habit. So if you can set those pictures yeah, yeah. up, this is when we talk about strategy, you've got to get those little things in place. Otherwise, just remembering, which is what most people do. Most people have no strategy or a terrible one. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know you want to make these good habits easy and it's kind of like especially like people who work a lot who are like very driven like the kind of you know people who've got successful businesses and that kind of stuff sometimes it's the case remember like you need to stop and eat because what happens is these guys go through like long periods of either not eating or deep work or whatever it may be yeah. then it gets to like mid-afternoon like oh my god i'm starving i'm just going to reach for the nearest thing or the most convenient thing or i'm driving between meetings i'm like unbelievably hungry it has to be your Mackey's drive through you know whatever it is it's kind of like goes back to again like routine and being prepped for it like yeah. what what excuses will, will you not stand for Mike so mine is I haven't had time to drink to drink water today <laughs> that's what I'm like you're not getting away with that with me that's a terrible one no like it's a bit of a weird one so it's not that there's like no excuses that I won't tolerate it's that you've got to realise that there are excuses and be honest with yourself like it's like um that's not a priority for me. Like, don't say it's you don't have time for it. Just say that that wasn't a priority for me today. And then we can be honest with each other about it. So if you say like, oh, you know, I didn't drink enough water that day, right? I didn't have time. Or I didn't get all my meals in. I didn't have time. No, well, you say it wasn't a priority for me on that day, which is fine, okay? But we're being honest with each other when it comes to it. So yeah. going back to every goal has a price. 
your like price might be higher than mine or lower than mine for the same goal. You know, whether it's losing weight, building muscle, building a big business, no matter what it is, everybody has a price they need to pay for everything. And unfortunately, the world's not fair, so everybody's price is different. Yeah. If you're not prepared to pay it, you can't have it. That's just the universe's law. Unfortunately, it's not mine. Um, but just be honest with yourself. If you're not prepared to pay it, then you're not prepared to pay it. That's fine. Yeah, you know, like, find out by trying, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. some models you say, I want the go- I want the outcome so bad, I yeah. will do whatever it takes to get there. So your athlete will have that mindset. You, you tell me what to do and I'll fucking do it. Yeah. I think other people would rather, or some people would rather know, well, tell me what I've got to do to get the outcome. And I think that's the difference between these yeah, yeah. people that will splash for a wall to get what they want versus the person who sits back a little bit more and says, well, this is what I'm willing to do and what, what results that going to get me. Hmm. But it's kind of like knowing, especially when you deal with people, like what you're not willing to do. So yeah. what isn't feasible for you? Like, let's be honest, you know what I mean? And like, you might turn around and go like, what are your priorities? And like, some people would like, when the Uber motivated, they're like, yeah, like losing weight is my number one priority. But when you talk to them and go, well, actually, you know, running your business, then your kids, then your wife, then losing weight priority. Or it even might be, you know, like actually, you know, um, my family playing golf, then losing weight is my priority. You know, it's like, let's be honest with what it is, you know what I mean, and where things are. And that affects like how fast or slow or what measures we need to be able to take to be able to do it. So someone who's like, it genuinely is their number one priority will probably be highly motivated by like, you know, athletes, et cetera, and they'll be able to do things fast and go a bit quicker. It's like their fifth priority in life, it's going to take them a bit longer. But it's like we need to be on the same page and we need you to be honest with yourself before we can start moving forward with it. Yeah, man. I mean, what are you willing to do is my favourite question. Like not what yeah. could, should, would you do. Like what are you willing to do is, is yeah, it's, it's the only question you need to to find out. Really. Yeah. I think that, like, that, that's the number it's one. It's kind of like um, even this stuff like, okay, well, I'll absolutely get my steps in every day. Right. If it gets to the end of the day, you've been super busy, you haven't done it, absolutely pissing it down outside. Are you going outside to walk? Or it's snowing, or, you know, oh, no, I'm not doing that right. So you're not prepared to do anything to get it in. You know, are you prepared to walk up and down your hall 5,000 times to get your steps in there if you don't want to go out with the rain? Oh, well, I'm not doing that either. Right. Okay. So there's another thing you're not prepared to do. Like, we need to be honest with ourselves and what we're prepared to do. Yeah. And again, all of these are fine. They're not, there's no right or wrong answer versus it because everybody's different. Everybody's priorities are different. Yeah, but the yeah. effort that you put in dictates how the results you get and how fast that you'll be able to get them. You yeah, know what I mean? like, yeah, I think this is why it's good to look at obstacles from the very off because I think yeah, yeah. people won't even think about the things you've just mentioned. Like, you know, well, if it rains, am I, you know, I've just committed to doing 10,000 steps every day. Yeah, if it rains, am I still going to go out and do my 10? Because that usually is there for the excuse when it comes. So you're right. I think laying down all these, you know, foreseen obstacles and then coming up to solutions with them. I think that helps you uh, determine what you are and what you're not willing to do. Because ultimately, I think like we all know people that talk. Like, we all talk too much. I talk too much. Mm-hmm. Most people talk too much. You only really find out what someone's values are and what they really care about. And like you say, what they prioritise by stepping back and watching what they do. So yeah. this is what I love about this game. It's it's yeah, you 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 show what's important to you by yeah. what you do with your habits and your routine. So everything you do each day, you can ask, is it getting me closer or further away? I don't really like to think of good and bad habits. It's just, you know, they get me what I yeah. want. 
If they're not, yeah. we need to look at changing them. If they are, can we expand on them and do them more? Yeah, and sometimes it is being honest with people, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. like I speak with a lot of guys that like, are used to when we used to doing like seminars and go, yeah, I'm going to be world champion and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, brilliant. So how many times a week are you training? I tr- train three times a week. I was like, you're nowhere near. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not, you're not good. I'm sorry, I hate to be the person who tells somebody they can't achieve the goal because, like, you know, that's a horrible thing to do. But in the reality of the situation, like, other people are doing 10 plus sessions a week and you're doing three. Yeah. You need like you know you would need them to stop training for like three years to catch them up. Like you, yeah, you find out serious someone is at that point, right? Because he either goes, yeah, yeah. I'm training ten times, or he goes, oh, oh, right, okay, thanks, Mark. Yeah, shattered my dreams. I'm 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 off to do something else. You find out how serious he is by his actions, right? Yeah, yeah. And then your options there is like, right, okay, this is the price for it. So yeah. are you going to do going to level up and try and do ten sessions, or are you going to realize, okay, well, actually. Uh, I want to do three. Like I'm happy, contributes positively in my life. It's a great hobby. I still have time for everything else. There's nothing wrong with that. You can participate in something and not want to be the best in the world. You can have hobbies and interests and fun. Which yes. you know, like which is only like it's weirdly only in some spots, but not in others. You know what I mean? Like so nobody expects like I'm going to start playing football on Sunday league. And if I'm not Ronaldo, then like that's the only goal for it. There's like I just want to be able to go and have a kick around my mate. I'll play five aside at the weekend or something like that. Like it's a really yeah. strange thing. Yeah, um, but what crushes most people? So their expectations of like they they who wouldn't want to get in badass shape? Like who wouldn't? Want yeah, to totally. Them? Yeah, so most guys probably do, but I think yeah, there's a there's a misalignment between what what most people want and what they're actually willing to do to get. Like you say, the what is it they say the price of uh, admission is very rarely paid. It's like people yeah, yeah. don't actually want to do what's required to get the outcome, yet they still want the outcome. And that's yeah, the frustration. It, and it's making people like aware of actually like what it is. Like, you know, for some people like that I work with, like some people like can get lean and maintain six packs like a lot easier than others. Like yeah. everybody can get after a certain point and stuff like that. But some people are more genetically dispositioned to it. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just like being honest with them and saying, look, you can absolutely have this, but you are going to have to like really like be dialed in to get there. You know what I mean? You're going to have to be restrictive. You're going to have to make this a top priority in your life. You know, say top three priority, top two priority. You're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, or you're going to have to do it at a lesser scale for a longer period of time. But either way, the price needs paying. You can do it shorter for more or longer with less. Um, I, is I that agree. all right? I agree with you on that one. I like that phrase, the price needs paying. I'm going to start using Yeah, it does. You know, yeah. like, um, I, I, like, I wish it wasn't the case. I wish there was, like, a cheat code for it, but you can't, like, to do it. Every, and the, the most frustrating thing for everybody is that, like, the people that you see on social media, their prices are generally, especially being in shape and ripped and all this kind of stuff, is they may be cheating in things that you, like, might not necessarily be doing. But they also, their price might be low on that particular thing. You mean like, taking steroids? Yeah, they could be, yeah. you know. Um, or they could just naturally be like, have great genetics and, you know, stay lean regardless of what they eat and build muscle. You know what I mean? Like, we've all got that friend who can stay lean no matter what they do, you know. Yeah, um, I think, uh, yeah, being geared up, um, I, I think I could spot the difference now. But like you say, for general pop, maybe not. So, yeah, in fact, you often get, like, the, the world-class bodybuilders on stage and then you hear, like, your friends say, Are they, do you think they're on gear? And I, and, uh, obviously, but I think there's yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's a whole different topic. But you're right. It's um, good lighting as well, Mike. Yeah, good, yeah, massively. Yeah, 
yeah. yeah. So it's no one takes their like worst photos and puts them online. You know what I mean? I, like I wouldn't dare, man. I wouldn't dare. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just um, and but that's the thing, and like you know, you're seeing people who's like price to pay for those things might be a lot lower than what yours is. You know what I mean? They like may only have to train like three, two, three times a week to yeah. be in great shape. You might have trained five times a week, you know what I mean? Like to achieve the same thing. You might have to work twice as hard for the same results. Um but you may be like unbelievable at business and they like have a great body, but like live with the mum and dad and like have no money or whatever, you know what I mean? Like so or like live in squalor or whatever it might be. Like everybody's price for everything's different and it's frustrating, but it's just the way the world works, unfortunately. Absolutely, but, man. Yeah. Try not to focus too much on that. Yeah. No, no, but it's kind of like the, the good thing is the, the one thing that you have controllable over all of it is how hard you work. Yeah. Like I think everybody, like if everybody truly gave the best at something and still fell short, it'd be all right. Like yeah. it, inside, I don't think inside you're proud, yeah. aren't you? Inside, you know, yeah. you've, you've done something. And again, I think that's another thing that crushes a lot of guys when they know they're not doing their best. Like they just know they're not giving anything, nowhere near what they could give. And I think yeah. that, that's quite punishing, especially like you say, when you get into your 30s and 40s, because you start to realize that you're not going to be around forever. Like you don't think like that when you're 20, but when you're 35, you start to think, fuck, I'm going to be 40 soon. That's halfway yeah, yeah. my life if I'm lucky. Um, but it's kind of stuff like again, like if you had steps to do or cardio or trading to do and you didn't go out in the rain and do it, the next day you know whether you did, regardless of what you say or post or say your coach or whatever, is you know if you did or you didn't. It's the lies that you tell to yourself that's going to get like make or break you. But you know, if you do the work, you're probably going to be all right, even if you don't get the result, like you'll be okay. What crushes people is when they don't do the work and don't get the result. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Don't be mad over the results that you didn't get because of the work you didn't do. Agree on that one, dude. It's like um, we've been rattling on for over an hour and a half now. Um, Sorry, mate. No, don't be, um, because I've got a list of questions here, and I haven't even asked any of them yet. So <laughs> we'll that for episode two. Um, what's your downfall, dude? Just before we finish, like, what's your advice when it comes to food? If, if there's one food that you're going to demolish and can't control, and that's going to make sun-dried you- tomatoes. Really? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. there's like a jar of sun-dried tomatoes in the house, I mean, but like in a one like, you know, like two or three there, two or three, like, again, like, if there's a jar in the house, like, it'll be gone in like a day or so. Yeah. If they're, if that's put together with feta cheese, I'm with you. I think on their own, I'm yeah, not yeah. a good job, but I used to love feta, yeah, che- yeah. feta cheese and a, uh, and a sun-dried tomato on top. Or something like, um, uh, you know, like uh, chorizo or something like that, or like cured meat or something. If oh, that's in like a couple of slices, yeah, yeah, a couple of slices of that. Like it's not like all in one go. It's just every time I'm in the fridge for something or I'm in the kitchen, I'll have a couple of bits or a couple yeah, of bits. I, like, yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a lot of green veg in my fridge because I'm not going to like overdose on that. But there's a few things that I cut. Like when I carve it, when I'm carving up like a turkey joint, or a yeah. pork shoulder, like that's when I've got to be careful because you know you cut a little slice, and you're like, well, that's too small to put on a sauce plate. I'll just have that, and then there's a little bit left. And yeah, before I've served up the joint, I've ate fucking half of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, like, I'm the same bit. But the w- the way I've kind of got around that is that like if I like because what I generally do is sometimes like I cook up joints of meat for meal prep and like slice it up and pot it up. Just because, half of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I I think is like I only buy like enough that I know is going to last me the week. 
So I'm not going back and buying anymore. So even if I eat like a few slices there, cumulatively over the week, I'm still eating the same amount. Yeah, yeah. No, Where that. it kind of gets you down is if you eat half of it and then have to go back to the shop for more. That's when they get you. I bet it's dinner time oh. for you now, right? It is, yeah. My missus will be upstairs, like starving to death right now. She'll be like cursing. Oh, no, 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 I, mean, I, I told her. What, what you got? Just have to what wait you up. What, what, what's a nutritionist eating for his dinner? Uh, it's not even really like it's really boring. It's just like chicken and veggies. I like did some like some slow cooked uh, like chicken in this kind of like um, tomato sauce that I made up just in the slow cooker. And it's just that with some veggies. That's not cool. even fancy. Yeah, mate, I had a plain chicken breast with a couple of baby bowls shoved in on with some greens earlier. But actually, a bit yeah. of barbecue sauce. One is my downfall, barbecue sauce. You can get like a skinny food corn stuff now, do like zero calorie. I've never tried it though, so I don't know how good it is. Uh, well, I get a reduced sugar and salt one, but when you put twice the amount on that you normally would, it probably just accumulates to the same amount of sugar and salt, so... Yeah, yeah. I started by like the um, like a reduced sugar, like strawberry jam, because my son's got a thing for jam on toast at the moment. So, I know like, that. yeah, yeah. So, oh, but it's only like for like one teaspoon, of, like fifteen grams, like twenty six calories. So it's like nothing. So, well, it's but yeah, it depends on how many spoonfuls you put on. See, I'm that's a good point. Yeah, spoonful yeah. of jam to me is like I'll scoop as much as I can get on that tablespoon. Yeah, yeah. Have I'm you ever seen the thing that... Oh, if you know who goes like that across the top and you left it like that much, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that ain't me, like, just slap it on. If you ever want to see how far removed you are from reality, just measure out what a, a serving of peanut butter ever is supposed to be. Yeah, well, I've got a peanut allergy, so that'll never happen. However, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, I have to oats out because 30 grams of oats or 40 grams of oats is pathetic. So yeah. I have 130 grams, which apparently is like four servings. I can't get my head around that. And no. yeah, never weigh dried pasta either. It's just no. not worth it. No. Waste of time. It is a waste of time. And you get that parmesan cheese on it after, mate. Oh. <laughs> and chorizo. This is what I mean about chorizo. Yeah. You can literally put it in anything. Right, so breakfast, yeah. omelette, chicken and yeah. chorizo. Unbelievable. Pasta yeah. and chorizo. Yeah. I can't have it in the house, mate. Can't have it. Yeah. That's Absolutely. what I mean. My discipline's not that great, actually. I just don't. I make it. I make it easy to stick to my plan. I don't, I don't yeah, make it... you just don't. You just don't get it in the house. You know what I mean? Like, if right. I look in the fridge and I've got like chicken that I need to cook up or ribeyes, then I know which one I'm going to be reaching for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. But I'll do what you say on a Saturday like afternoon. If I want something that evening, I'll go then and just buy my Halo ice cream, my pizza, and my chicken wings. Yep. And that's it. Like, I just buy that, eat it, and then Sunday morning I get up and I crack on with whatever's whatever's normal. Yeah, yeah, a good tip as well for people who've got kids is only buy enough like kid type snacks for the kids. So, like, let's say they go to school and have pack lunches. Like, you've only got like so many cheese strings or so many baby bells. Because what happens if you pinch that from them, you start robbing from your kids, and then when you start having conversations that people are actually stealing from their own children, it's a bit harsh. It, it happens all the time. But you know, talking yeah, about but, like men being boys earlier, why is it like food like that, like cheese strings and turkey twizzlers and chicken dinosaurs? I just would love to just demolish all that food. Right? It just takes you back. It's almost like um, like cottage pie and ham and cheese yeah, toasties. They just awesome. take me back to like just. I think well, that's food. I was brought up on microchips and micro wings. Like, I was just talking about bread. microchips yeah. the other day. Like I had it's micro burgers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's still a thing. Like, do you remember like Finder's crispy pancakes and things like that? Like, <laughs> totally. we, I used to have that with microchips, but yeah, yeah, yeah. microchips, salt and vinegar, and then yeah, so we used to have micro wings as well. McCain's did fucking yeah, yeah. everything back in the yeah, day. Yeah, micro everything, micro pizzas we used to get. Micro pizzas, yeah. had micro jacket potatoes, 
every yeah. game right was micro and that was me sorted for for most nights mm-hmm. of my life so <laughs> uh, yeah Mike Layton, you're gonna have to come back on again I'm sorry I've done this to the last few guests where I've done some prep and uh, I have actually nothing of it and we've been talking about existential angst and all sorts tonight so. sorry mate no, no. You come back mate, anytime no it's all good so yeah it'd be great to have you back on and we'll, we'll go over uh We'll go over some more and give out some more specifics. But uh, Mike Lane, you're a fucking legend. Uh, uh, where can people find you on IG? I think I've got uh, it here. Just unorthodox nutrition. Uh, there you go. Scrolling at the bottom. Give this uh, fella a uh, follow. He's brilliant at what he does. Um, go and check him out. Uh, Mike Lane, uh, I appreciate your time. Go and enjoy your chicken and vegetables, my friend. Apologise to my wife for me. I hope you don't get it. Nah, it should be fine. Mate, you're a good man. Thanks for joining me, man. Right. Appreciate Cheers, it. Man. Thank you, Mark.